righty then. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, and once again, Merry Christmas. Yes, absolutely, the most wonderful night of the year. Not often that Christmas falls on a Sunday, but, but here we are. Um, and this is actually, by the church calendar, the fourth Sunday of Advent, right? And that's what we have back here. We have this going on, um, have been going on for about a month now, the last four weeks, working our way through Advent. We've been talking about the words of Advent, um, some words of, of, of encouragement that God gives us that we should be focusing on as we work towards this night and tomorrow when we celebrate uh, the fact that Jesus came on into this world onto earth with us. Um, so I'm going to talk quickly about these four candles, and then we're going to get on to a couple of other things that I want, I'm very interested to tell you about. Uh, so the first candle that we lit several weeks back was a candle of hope, right? And we talk about hope, um, how it's different in the New Testament. It doesn't mean like we think it means here. Um, we say things like we hope it doesn't rain because we want to go on a picnic. Well, in the New Testament, the word hope means an actual guarantee, an expectation of something you know is going to happen. So when we say that, that we put our hope for our salvation in Jesus, Jesus says that's a guarantee. That's ironclad. That is going to happen. Your salvation is going to happen when we put our trust, we put our hope in Christ. So that's the first candle that we talk about, again, in this whole Advent season. Uh, then the second candle we talk about is a, is a candle of peace. So when we talk about peace, I like to go to the Old Testament, talk about the Old Testament word, the Hebrew word, um, maybe one of the only Hebrew words we know, and that's the Hebrew word shalom. Right? That means peace. And not only does that mean um, to make something perfect, to make something complete, but again, it's a promise that God gives us. And a couple weeks back, we looked at the Old Testament where God gives us what he calls his covenant of peace. Covenant is a promise. It's like a contract between two individuals or two parties. And God says that he has designed us to get his covenant, his promise of peace in our lives. Now, peace, we think, is the absence of conflict in our lives. And that's certainly true on one, in one, on one hand, in one sense. But in a whole other sense, um, there's peace within conflict. There's peace within the chaos that goes on in our lives. And that's the peace that God wants to give us. That's the peace that God wants us to have in our lives. And that's why we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. And that's the Prince that was promised long ago. And he came into this world in Bethlehem on this night that we celebrate so much. Right? So that's, the, that's hope and then that's peace. And the third word we talked about is the word joy. And I like to contrast this. Um, we think that maybe joy is a synonym of, of being happy. But like I always point out, the root word of happy is happens. So we're, our happiness is based on what happens to us. But when we put our trust, when we put our hope in Christ, we should have the joy that comes from God, right? The joy that, is un, uh, that we can't even understand, the joy that passes all understanding. Um, that's the joy that God wants us to have in our lives. Not based on what's going on in, on a day-to-day basis or an hourly basis, but that joy that he gives us because of who he is. When we put our hope in him, he promises that peace and he promises that joy. And that is all because of the love that he has for us. And that's the fourth candle that we look at. We'll be talking about that tomorrow morning. I know this is technically the fourth Sunday of Advent. We should be talking about love tonight. But i got some other things that I want to share with you. So tune in tomorrow morning, 9.30. Mark your calendars. We'll be back here again, 9.30 tomorrow morning. Come on in for our Christmas Day service. That was supposed to be funny, but that's all right. All right. So is that amen from Holly. Thanks, Holly, for that one. A little shout-out back there on the organ. She's like, yeah, you know what, that's enough. So we're going to come back to all that in a minute, but now I want to talk about um, some of the other things that we want to talk about here. Um, I want to talk, the thing that I've been stuck on this Advent season is the, the why of Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why does Christmas make a difference in our lives? We talk, talk about the when 
of Christmas, and we talk about the who of Christmas a lot, but we don't really talk about the why of Christmas. And I want to I want to focus on that. Um, you know, and I literally say that we can we can look God in the face and say, "What were you thinking?" coming down from your throne room in heaven to come down and experience us, to be with these kind of people, this mess of a life that we have down here. So that's the line that's been stuck in my head for several months now. And the verse that goes with that um, kind of sums up the Bible all in one verse. It sums up the gospel message all in one verse. And that's, that's Matthew, uh, the first chapter of Matthew. This is Gabriel talking to Joseph in a dream, right? Joseph is uh, kind of concerned because uh, this wife to who he's engaged to hasn't had relationships with yet, and, but she's, gonna, she's pregnant going to have a baby. And, the, and Gabriel is explaining that this it came from the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to tell Joseph the, the, the really the money verse of the Bible. It says that Mary, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save Okay, thank you for the four of you that were paying attention. All right, we're going to back up a little bit. Gabriel says she will bear a son. This might be the most important thing that you learn all year, right? This, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeah, thank you. Right on. And so Gabriel says, um, it's literally he says, um, God himself is what he's saying here. He himself, God himself will save his people from their sins. That's it right there. I mean, that's all we could talk about for the next 52 weeks. If we can just get that through these little pea brains that we have for our brain, then we'll start to understand the gospel message. We'll start to understand the why of Christmas. Not just the who, not just the when, but the why of Christmas, because Jesus is going to come down and save his people from their sins. Um, and the Thessalonians calls that the hope of our salvation. In other words, remember I talked about hope here a second ago, a guarantee, the guarantee of our salvation. And when we have that hope, when we have that guarantee, and we can really sink our teeth into it and really own it, Thessalonians says, wear it like a helmet, because it's going to protect your mind, it's going to protect your thoughts, it's going to protect the words that come out of your mouth. Wear that hope, that guarantee of your salvation like a helmet, because that's why Jesus came down to this earth, to forgive his people, clear his people from their sins, so that we can experience that salvation. And so Jesus says, I'm going to come down, I'm going to do that. And so we needed him to do that, right? We needed to be forgiven from our sins because those sins broke that relationship that we had with God. So Jesus said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to restore that, right? And that should be our prayer, like it's in Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, right? The hope of your salvation, the peace that comes with your salvation, the joy that comes with your salvation because of the love that he has for us. That's what Jesus came to do, to restore what had been severed, to restore what had been broken. I have a really fun children's message. I'm going to have you guys stay there, but I'm going to have my two voluntolds, I mean, I'm sorry, volunteers come on up here real quick. They're kind of sitting in the back, so uh, we'll just talk amongst yourselves for a second while they, while they work their way up here. I'm going to have Maya come over here. I'm going to have Brian come on over here. <laughs> don't you both look dashing tonight no come on right, right up here there we go all right I should have put an x on there my bad all right there we go all right so um came to restore what had been broken what had been severed because the story goes like this in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth right? and then he said it was very good and actually parenthetically in the in the Hebrew we can see that it was perfect 
and was perfect because God had created what he calls his masterpiece. That's you. So for this one-act play, you're going to play the part of God's masterpiece. And everything was perfect. Everything was very good until it wasn't. See, God had made this, um, this connection, this relationship in between himself. We're going to have Maya be God over here. Congratulations on your promotion, by the way. We're going to have Maya be God over here. So there was like this lifeline that went between God the creator and his creation, which we're going to call his masterpiece. Can I step away over here just a second? So you go back and stretch it out. There you go. You make it tight. There we go. So we're going to call this God our creator, and we're going to call this God's masterpiece. And this is you. You are God's masterpiece. And everything was perfect, right? Again, until it wasn't perfect. Because this little thing entered the word, world, this little three-letter word, word that we don't like to talk about, and I'm thinking, you're probably thinking right now, this is Christmas, right? We're supposed to be talking about angels, we're supposed to be talking about shepherds, maybe, you know, something about Bethlehem. But if we don't understand the why of Christmas, none of this matters. But here's the other side of it. Once we understand the why of Christmas, everything matters. Because this lifeline, this, com- this connection, this, um, this relationship that between the creator and the, the, the created or the masterpiece got severed because what came into the world? Sin. Dun, dun, dun. Got grandpa's old hunting knife here, right? Glint the light off for dramatic effect. Sin entered the world and literally severed the relationship between God the creator, sorry, God the creator, (laughs) should check our insurance policy before they give me these sharp objects, and the created over here, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to sever that relationship. Dun, 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 right? And as soon as we did that, right, real quick, What's the word sin mean in the Greek? Sin's a very complicated little word, harmartia in the Greek, and it's very complicated. Uh, it says things like to not speak the same language, to not be on the same page. Imagine if Holly and McKenna over here were on different pages and di- singing different songs, how disastrous that would be. That's what the sin in our life does, right? It keeps us from experiencing that which God wants us to experience. But as soon as we severed that tie, with God, we knew, the, the masterpiece knew we had goofed up, right? So we said, you know what, we can take care of this by ourselves. We're just going to tie this together, and nobody's going to even notice a difference, right? Here, pull it back a little tighter. Not too tight, I'm not a Boy Scout, that's going to fall out, right? Here, hold it up a little higher so they can see it, right? That's, that, that lifeline was severed by that sin in our lives, that stuff that we choose to have, to be separated from God, Right? To not be on the same page as God. To not be speaking the same language. To not be in agreement with God. There's lots of things in our lives that would fill that in. That would sever that relationship. But Gabriel said he's going to come down to save his people from their sins. Right? To remove those sins. But we try to do it on our own, don't we? We try to make it like maybe we can move our sin away from God. Right? So if there's some way that I can magically move this knot, could you tighten it up a little bit? Just make it tight. There you go. If we could somehow magically move this knot over here, a little bit closer, away from God, right? Maybe that would do the trick. Maybe that would do the trick. That's close enough. Right? Move it from, you know, as far away from God as we possibly can. And God says, you know what? That's not what I'm looking for here. Because that relationship is still severed. That lifeline, that communication is still severed. Right? Right? 
And there's no getting around the fact that we got this kind of big, kind of big booger hanging out here that everybody can see, right? And it's not right, and it's not how it was designed to be. So God himself comes down to earth, right? God himself steps down from his throne room in heaven, steps down to earth to fix this, to make this go away. Can you pull it tighter again? To make this go away. So God says, you know, whatever that sin is in your life, whatever disagreement we have with each other, whatever priority you're putting in front of me, Whatever you're making more important, whatever it is that's separating our relationship, he says, bring it over to me. Because you can't possibly do this on your own. You can't possibly do this by yourself. And so we've all got something that we put between us and God. right? He calls you his masterpiece, but our masterpiece, if it's just us, we are flawed. Beyond recognition and beyond description. But God says, I know that, and I'm going to take care of that for you. So it might look like we don't have very much farther to go. Here, let me have it for a second. Don't have very much farther to go, but God says, you know what? We got a little bit farther to go, and let me, whatever it is, bring it to me and let me take care of it. And I'll bring you to me, right? And then he says, could I just have that piece that's separating you? Here, you take this one again. Could I just have that Little whatever it is in your life that's separating us, that's getting in the way of our relationship. And God says, I'll just take that from you. And then he says, I'm going to put it as far as the east is from the west, and you're never going to see it again. And so then that's what happened. He came down from heaven, that little town called Bethlehem that we never would have heard of if this hadn't happened, this moment in history hadn't happened. And that baby grew and then went to the cross for us. And he died for us. And on the third day, he rose again. And he said, I'm doing that to forgive that sin. Not just so you can be made clear and made whole again, but so that relationship, that communication, that line is here, that lifeline between the creator and the masterpiece is made complete again. So when we start putting all these dots together that we just talked about, all those candles back there that we talked about, and all the things that God has done for us, we should have this prayer at Christmas. And I know this isn't something you've ever heard about for a prayer of Christmas before. It doesn't come from Matthew. It doesn't come from Isaiah. It comes from a little obscure book called Lamentations. And if any of you can quote Lamentations from me, I will be impressed. But there's a verse in there we have to share tonight when it talks about restoring who we are. And who does the restoring and what needs to be restored. Lamentations 5, isn't it, Jared, 21? This is our prayer. Restore, to, uh, restore us to you. We're praying that God restores us to him because he's the only one that can do it. That we may be fully restored, fully restored again, with no knots, no blemishes, nothing else going on. And he says when we do that, then our relationship is solid again. Our communication is open again, and that lifeline is complete again. Please give my assistants a round of applause. Thank you, sir. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Would you please rise?